Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Center. Wow. And ladies and gentlemen to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am Zach Mikosh, DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio here on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. I am actually, I am looking at this Saturday afternoon from the view of Phoenix, Arizona, believe it or not. Not in my normal haunt over in Denver, Colorado, out attending a wedding in Phoenix, but not going to let you guys down and miss the show, so... Here we are, live from the Vikiva Hotel and Casino in Phoenix. I am also, of course, not alone on the show today, and I have brought the all-CSU Rams staff with me this time, like I always love to do. First off, all the way out in sunny California, it is Mr. Mike Olson. Mike, what's going on? Hey, Zach. I, um, Phoenix, man. That's we're we're kind of we're doing a three state tour today. That's that's good of you to spread us out that's a right. little bit. Yeah, that that is right. You know, it's um we like to we like to hit all regions of the country <laughs> with our with our talent. Well done. <laughs> Appreciated. Um, we've also got with us still. I'm assuming in Colorado, though I don't know this. Maybe she's also yeah. somewhere. <laughs> okay, all right. Still in Colorado, we have yes. Ms. Kayla Osby. Kayla, it's been a while, but how are you? Yeah, it has. I'm good. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on again. Absolutely. You know, we uh, ever since we did the Pickaxe came on and became the Pickaxe Pundits Show instead of the Pickaxe Podcast. Um, like we used to be. You know, we have these. Now we have deadlines. Everything's much more serious. And it was just it was one of the biggest bummers. I think, actually, I would say the biggest bummer I had was that uh, the schedule didn't work out as well with, with you specifically. Um, but happy to get you on. Happy that we were able to do it this week. So that is awesome. Very nice. Yeah, I appreciate it. So we um we got a lot to talk about in terms of the Nuggets. We are, man, we are almost there. We had nine games to go now. Nuggets, of course, win last night. Um, I guess I'm just completely drawing a blank. Who did they beat? The Washington Wizards. <laughs> oh, that was uh, we're off to a good start here. There yeah, Nuggets go. win last night. Uh, sort of a grinded out kind of game against the the Wizards, which is not something um, we typically see the Nuggets do. So that that's kind of interesting. But I want to talk about in general this this road trip 
um, so far in that what now they're what four games four games into it two and two really should be three and one um, obviously so we'll talk a little bit about that Memphis game that was awful and we'll talk about the other um, the other games the Miami game the Bulls game and then um, a little bit of course about that Wizards game as well uh, and then after that. I want to talk about, you know, I've seen a lot of talk on, on, on Twitter, on social media, on the Denver Six comment board about, you know, Paul Millsap specifically and, and what kind of he has meant or has been, uh, to the team, whether or not he was a, he was a good signing, so on and so forth. So I think that's, uh, that's going to be a worthwhile discussion that I want to talk about. And then, uh, last but not least, well, I should say last. Then, after our break, uh, as we have done every week, and I almost didn't want to do it this week because I was like, what are we else are we going to talk about when it comes to the playoffs? Um, but I think there's still, I think it's still worthwhile, uh, worthwhile uh, conversation. So I want to talk a little bit more about the playoffs, um, what it would mean to the fans, what it would mean to this core, and um, what it would mean if they just pulled it off. Uh, so we'll get into that after our break. And then finally, the, the thing that has got Mike wringing his hands right now, <laughs> CSU Rams trivia, right? We have the all Randy cast. We will Uh-oh. do CSU Rams trivia. Mike, you should know this. You are the uh, the elder statesman of us. So you should have this all just, you know, ready to go. That's that's the problem, man. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm the elder statesman amongst this group. And uh, those brain cells were gone long, long ago, somewhere deep in the, the bowels of the Ramskeller. Uh, near some some bad three two beer, so I'm not sure I'm going to remember any of this. <laughs> bad three two beer. Those <laughs> those were the days. They sure were. Yep. You know what? Back in it's funny. I, I you mentioned that. So I just remember like when I was in college. Um, it was still Sundays. You still couldn't buy, uh, you couldn't buy liquor or yep. anything but three two beer, right? So, yep. but we would always we would just make the trek, man. We would just drive up to Cheyenne, um, <laughs> hit the drive through liquor store up there, and then we'd be, then we'd be good to go. That was our. Now, I'm not going to say weekly Sunday ritual because I don't want people to think that I was an alcoholic in college. But uh... <laughs> but I was an alcoholic in college. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, those are the good times. Kayla, any any uh, any escapades from from college that you remember? Uh, not not really. Yeah, I'm probably gonna um, not be good at this. <laughs> yeah. Kayla's I'm gonna be great. I, I'm, I, I doubt it. Yeah. It's gonna be. I think. I think you're both going we'll to see. do uh, well. I tried to make it fairly easy. You know, I didn't. Uh, nothing. It wasn't like when I did. Um, Okay, well, so it's not as hard as some of the questions I did when I was trying to when I did former Nugget or current U.S. Olympic athlete, um, and I was like every 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 former Denver Nugget was like from nineteen you know like nineteen seventy eight or something like that, or or previous. However, I did throw Ryan Blackburn like the biggest softball possible. I sent him. I asked him Troy Terry. Uh, whether he was a former Olympic athlete or, or Denver Nugget or current athlete or Denver Nugget, former Denver Nugget. And, um, he could not get it right. And Troy Terry is a (laughs) 21 year old, uh, hockey player on the U S Olympic hockey team from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Ryan Blackburn is a 21 year old Denver Nuggets blogger from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you know, I guess you never know. Sometimes I think I'm making it easy, and um, then then people don't even know who they went to high school with. I guess I, so. that's that's the best. I, I had a I had a 
coach. I mean, when, when somebody tells you it's going to be a softball and, and then they give you the softball and you still can't hit it, that's, that's the worst. I, I had a coach way back in the day when I was, uh, when I was playing little league ball that finally, uh, as he was pitching it to me, said, okay, you can hit this anyway and threw it to me underhand. And, and I whiffed on it. And, and, uh, I'm going to now call that my, my Ryan Blackburn moment. Cause, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We'll just call it. You just, yeah, you, you, you just did a, you did a Blackburn. We'll, exactly. we'll just make it into a ver. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's uh, hating us right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in good fun. All right. Well, enough, uh, enough dawdling. Let's, let's, let's get into this, um, and this road trip. So, Let's start. Let's start with the, the the downside, I guess. We'll we'll start with the negatives, which is, of course, I mean, I, I the Memphis loss obviously is a, is a negative. The the Memphis is the Grizzlies are. I mean, I mean they're awful. They're they were. I'm not sure if they still are. I think they still are the worst team in the NBA. They were when the Nuggets played them, at least in terms of record. Had lost 19 straight games, um, and then and then they beat Denver basically on the back of a first quarter where the Nuggets just came out uh, looking completely disinterested. I think uh, ended up trailing by something like 21 points after a single quarter. They follow up that with the Miami game, which is Miami's a good team, right? Miami is a, a playoff team um, in Miami. You've got the whole, you know, we joke about it, but you know, there, there's something to be said about the the nightlife at South Beach and, and how that might affect players uh, there on a road trip. Um, and, and in that game, Denver, it, you know, it, it wasn't a matter of a lack of effort or anything. I thought they played, um, they played with, with, uh, you know, good energy. It just, uh, they just ended up running out of gas in double overtime as it was the only double overtime game so far this season. The problem of course was though you had just come off that Memphis loss and you really needed to pick up a win. Um, and so they, and you had it, it was right there, uh, for the taking, like I said, goes the double overtime and they end up just not getting it. Um, Kayla, how, I mean, how crushing of a blow to their playoff hopes were those two losses and in particular that Memphis loss? Yeah, they were, they were pretty crushing. Um, especially since, you know, it was the first two games of the road trip. I think it would have been, um, really good to get those two wins. And I mean, it, it things would be a lot different now. We had just won those two games. Um, we, you know, we might even be, I don't know. I think we would be in the top eight right. now, maybe. Um, so it, it just, especially, yeah, just because we lost to a team that had lost, uh, lost 19 in a row. Um, that, that probably wasn't good for, uh, morale on the team. And yeah, I think it, there would just be a whole different mood surrounding the team now if, if we had won those. So yeah, they were pretty, pretty crushing. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point too. Is it, if you kind of just look at it like the mental aspect of it, I mean, in, in a way, it sort of tests the team's metal, right? Like the guys who who are going to be who are really mentally tough, who are really um, I, I I don't I don't know how to put this, but the guys who are uh, I guess most most prepared for the the adversity that 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 comes with an NBA season, like those guys, you expect to rise to the top, right? Like they're going to take that loss personally. They're going to realize, hey, what's you know this? We can't do that anymore. We've got to um, we've got to get this together. And they're going to suddenly turn in um, their their best performances moving forward. The the other guys though that maybe aren't quite as strong uh, or or quite as tough mentally are going to. Um, maybe crumble from it like and like you said and, and the, the morale is going to get affected by it and, and it, so if nothing else i guess we we, we were going to learn that um about, about this team um michael is that is that like kind of the only positive you can basically take from those losses you know i um yeah i think it is um and it's just such a perfect 
microcosm of, of this crazy nugget season, right? If you were to point at the first four games of this road trip and say which two are they going to lose and which two are they going to win, I, I would have told you exactly the opposite of, of what's happened. And that's and, and to Kayla's point, that's what makes it so kind of mind-numbing, you know, is, is the fact that they, they, they could so easily be 4-0 and on this dang road trip. And with all the road troubles we have and as badly as we need every win we can get, Sometimes still these uh, mental and emotional lapses at, at at crucial points now, right? I mean, thirteen games left when you're doing this, that's that's tough, man. It's it's tough to see, and I, you know they they may still they may may still sneak in, but it sure won't be for uh, any of these weird mistakes that came in the last twenty or so games. Right. It's it's I, and like I said, we'll get into this uh, in the back of the show. But it's almost kind of I almost somewhat prefer it because it's like I mean I don't. Uh, I would much prefer they be like a number you know number one seed and this be wrapped up and we're not talking about them trying to get home court advantage. That, that's the ideal world. But it's almost like I I I can appreciate the the we're gonna see what you're made of. You know we're gonna we're gonna figure out like if you've got what it takes. And like I said specifically with mental toughness. Um, to rise above this and 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 overcome because the schedule isn't going to get any easier on them now. I mean, granted they're they're not going to be playing as many games on the road, but they don't have any more Memphises. They don't have any more Chicago Bulls on the schedule, right? Like they, this right. is right. Uh, everything from now on is is a very is a talented team that's that's uh, vying for the playoffs themselves. So uh, in that way, it's kind of interesting to at least watch to see kind of a, and it'll be a good measuring stick of where they're at um, in terms of in terms of. Um, I guess, you know, almost, almost growth or, or maturity, um, which is particularly interesting to me given the, the youth of this core. That being said, it's still a, like I said, I, I maybe, you, you, you wish they'd win those games. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're just trying to make this as hard as they can, right? They're, they're trying to clear, <laughs> make the bar as high as they can possibly get it. Let's throw away these two gimmies and then we have to absolutely win all of these tough games through the rest of the season. Any, you know anybody buying that? I'm, I'm not buying I'm, that. But, yeah. I say I'm not. I'm not a boy. Actually, I would, maybe next time the Nuggets are. Oh man, I can just imagine the look. Like I was gonna say, what if I asked Coach Malone that next time when oh. the Nuggets get back oh. in town? <laughs> just the stare yeah. of anger. Yeah, don't don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, oh, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But uh, no, I mean it's like we said. It, I I don't know necessarily. Think it, I, now I remember what I was gonna say is. Like I, I don't think they obviously are doing that intentionally. But one of the interesting things I think is everybody's you know talking about. Oh man, it is so tough. You know they've got nothing but good teams left. And I'm always like, is that better because they they'll actually like be up to play those teams? You know, like we see that time and again, right? The Nuggets will, the Nuggets will beat the Warriors on a back to back in Golden State, um, but they'll lose to Atlanta at home. You know what I mean? Like it's almost to me like better because we don't have to worry as much about the mental aspect of it because we know we're like, all right, these guys are going to step up. Um, because they're going to be actually playing good teams, and they seem to always do that. So, interesting kind of it's man. We could we could probably do an entire pod just on the uh, on the mental aspect of this team and kind of how they approach the season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, I'm not a psychologist, so I, I would probably be uh, ill equipped ill equipped for that. Kayla, I'm gonna go back over to you. 
kind of c- continuing with this this theme of, of just like the mental part of it. So then the, the the Nuggets come back against the Bulls and they absolutely I can't even remember another game they've done this this season where they just took a a, a an inferior team, a team who was definitely going to the lottery, and they just one hundred percent took them to the woodshed. Uh, at what point they were up by like 40, 41, 42 points uh, in that game. How good is it to see them? As, you know, after we just talked about how they how they tend to not get up for those type of games. How good is it to see them? come out and just 100% take care of business against the team that they absolutely should beat. Yeah, it was, it was really good. And I think it, it is because I think they finally just realized that they, they really do have to look at every game. Like we're, you know, playing a really good team because everyone matters. So um, I think it was just good because I think, I think we finally realized that, uh, or they finally realized that, um, you know, that the kind of energy that they have to come out with. So hopefully it was a, them kind of turning the corner point of the season. Right. Um, but yeah, it was also just really good to finally watch a game where I wasn't just worried the whole time. That, that we were gonna, like it was just nice to be able to actually just relax and enjoy a game. And that probably won't happen too many times just because of the um, quality of the, the rest of the teams that we play. So it was, it was good to finally happen. Right. It was, it was I was, I would say it, it was nice except for I was on the recap that night. So like, I still had to stick oh. with this. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh man, I'm going to have to break down some, uh, break down some Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Tory Craig and Devin Harris lineups for the, for this fourth quarter, uh, which was funny because the, the, the number one thing I remember about that fourth quarter was that Malik Beasley, uh, just, <laughs> I don't know what happened on that inbound. Losing pass that ball. That. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, there's a meme waiting to happen right there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I even wrote in the recap. I was like, well, that's going to end up on Shaq in a fool. And like <laughs> within the next 15 minutes, it was already, they had already posted. I was like, yep. 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 That's, that's Malik's moment right there. Mike, I, you know, what? this is something I didn't have on the rundown, but I just thought of when, when, when Kayla was um, talking about the game. What do you think? What do you make of Kenneth Freed not getting any minutes, even in garbage time? You know, I mean, I I feel bad for Freed. I really, I still, he's he's been great for the Nuggets over the years. Um, he just he doesn't fit now um, so much of the rest of what they're trying to do, um, and and so. I I don't blame Malone at all. I mean, you want the you want the young guys still to get the playing time and the experience. You know, it's not as if the league doesn't know at this point what Farid can do. So I I don't think you right. gain anything by throwing him out on the floor, even in garbage time when you could be getting experience minutes for the guys who really who really need it under their belt. So as bad as I see, you know, as, as bad as I feel seeing somebody of his both his caliber and just I you know how much he loves to get out on the floor. You, you hate to see right. it, but it just this is the math, man. It's it's here's here's where we're at, and it's too bad. Right? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point when you when you talk about the experience there, and there there really is nothing to gain um, by putting him out there. And the other thing I think is too is I don't necessarily I don't think this is one sided. Uh, I think this is a very much a mutual understanding between the coach and Fareed because Fareed's got to look at it. One, I mean, we know he's a prideful guy, yeah. um, and, and coach has mentioned this before that there are some veterans who will not who will basically just not want to go out in garbage time because they're um, you know to them it's it, it does them it does them no good to do that because basically the only thing they're doing out there is probably you know they're playing with maybe a bunch of guys who aren't who aren't as talented as they are so it might end up hurting their averages um, which may or may not be something that's going on with Kenneth I think though more than anything Kenneth is looking at this is like hey 
Uh, I'm obviously not long for this team. I'm probably they're probably going to try and move me at some point in the off season. Next year will be a contract year for me. I do not want to risk any sort of injury whatsoever by going out there and playing meaningless minutes. Mm. Um, and so I think he's probably expressed that. And, and I'm speculating here, but I, I would think he's probably has expressed that to coach. Coach has probably said, "Yep, you know what? That's fine because we you know, we might as well play the young guys in the, in these uh, in these situations." And so I think I think it's a mutual understanding. I don't think it's like you know social media is always funny because you get the extremes. Uh, I don't think in any way it's like. Like, uh, coach has just got this, like, grudge against Kenneth Fareed, and he's like, you know, I'm never going to play you, and if you bring your dog around, I'm going to kick him, too, you know, and he's something like that. It's, uh, I don't think that's what's going on. I think it, I think it's very much mutual, but it was a, a, a little bit of sidebar I wanted to, I guess, uh, wanted to yeah. talk about. Mike, I'll go back to you. I didn't get to watch a ton of the game um, last night because of I was on my way here to Phoenix. Um, I caught bits and pieces, so I'll, I'll, I'll lean on you a little bit more. What did you uh, What did you think, though? I do from what I saw. You know, it was a very it was a more of a it was not a Nuggets style game. It was a, a kind of a grinded out, um, kind of a clunky looking game from what I saw. And then they ended up, and it seemed like everybody else was saying that as well. Um, but they ended up still getting the win. What do you think about that? And again, kind of talking about the mentality. Oh, there's this girl in front of me who just walked by with a Steph Curry jersey, and I just. <laughs> I had to glare at her. Throw off, uh, anyways, off the I, whole I, thing. Right. Uh, what do you think though about what does it say about the Nuggets so that they can win a type of game like that against a quality opponent like like the Wizards? You know, I I mean the thing that I liked best about it um, was that the the Nuggets um, really over the course of the last two seasons seem to run hot and cold simultaneously right i mean either everybody's hitting the three or nobody's hitting the three type of right. thing and, and that's that's been the team's kind of mo for the better part of the last couple of seasons and what i really liked about last night was you know they they found the hot hand you know um, murray had 25 last night Jokic had 25 last night but those weren't so i mean murray's was a little bit spread out across the game but they they discovered each of those guys as they were getting hot and able to pour the pour the ball into the basket, um, and, and that's really how they won last night was by going to whoever was hot, as opposed to just you know going around the horn and either everybody was hot or everybody wasn't, and and that's what got them over the hump. And I'd I'd love to see more of that, frankly, as we keep going. You know, let's let's uh, keep keep discovering who's hot on the floor and 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 riding that hand for a little while. Right, right, yeah, it was, and it was kind of interesting, right, so Murray has the big first half, uh, and then doesn't, doesn't really have much of a second half, it looked like Jokic didn't really have much of a first half, um, played much better in the second half, uh, and then Will Barton also, it was nice to see kind of a, a bounce back, um, game from him as well, Kayla, going back to Jokic, you know, so he, he, what, he gets, I think, what, 23 points on, on 21 shots, Um, and, and it seems like that he, he just kept, you know, even though he was having those struggles early, he kept going. Do you, is that what they need out of Jokic? Is he, you know, cause we've seen him defer a lot of times, especially when his shot's not falling. You know, he said it's uh, in the locker room several times, you know, if his shot's not going, he'll start looking for other people. At this point, do they just need Jokic to hey just just keep shooting? Even if you're even if you're not hitting it, we need you to keep taking shots and and, and being aggressive because that's the only way that they're going to win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially if they're good, like good shots, like he was getting yesterday. Um, I think he missed his 
first few and then um, just kind of started feeling more of the rhythm. And yeah, I think, I think we just need him to be involved in the offense any way that he can, but especially just taking um, good shots, you know, when he's open um, from like mid range or from the three. And yeah, it was really good to see. Um, Cause usually when, when Jokic has really good games, he gets off to good starts, but this one, he kind of missed his first few and then um, made, just made a lot more of them. And yeah, that was, that was really good to see. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, I would, I would agree. Like, obviously we don't want, we don't want Jokic becoming like a, like a J.R. Smith or something like that, where he's just, where he's just shooting uh, poor shots all the time, just because he, he thinks he needs to shoot. Um, but there is something to be said about like, you, you can't just shy away from, from uh, shooting the ball when you're, when you're the focal point of the office offense, just because you're having a, um, just because you're having a, a poor start to the game, right? Like you've got to, he's got to learn how to work through that through the course of the game because the Nuggets, because he's such, to me, he's such a unique player that like, if you're, if he stops being aggressive and, and stops shooting, and even I think he starts to get, um, you know, he just kind of gets down on himself. So he, it's not even that he stops shooting, but he just stops trying to kind of be involved entirely. And, and then we, that's when we start to see, okay, we start to see more Millsap, um, ISOs. We start to see Jokic kind of fade over to the corner more and just, just kind of get out of the action because he's so unique and they have to design their offense around him, uh, in such a specific way. Like you just can't do that because it completely changes the flow of, of what the team is trying to do. And then suddenly everybody's trying to like learn things on the fly. Then coach is starting to call more plays. And, and it, like I said, it seems like we always end up in that, in that Millsap um, post isolation, which has not been a very efficient, um, efficient scoring wise for the Nuggets this year. So I agree. I think, I think it's, you know, it's a thing where he's just got to, he's just got to, you know, take his lumps when he gets them, but he's got to keep, um, he's got to keep being aggressive. He's got to keep staying engaged because one way or another, they've got to have him as their focal point of the offense. Um, and, and they've got to, uh, they've got to do that to be successful. Well, I think, I think that's a part of maturing, right? I mean, uh, it's, right. so it's not just a, and, and I, I totally agree with, with both of you are saying, and I think Kayla really nailed it on the head from a, you know, he's, he's got to keep going until he get. I mean, he's, He's got a bit of a shooter's mentality, so he's got to keep it going until he heats up, until he finds his stroke and, and gets into it. And, and it was great to see him do that last night. But but I think even even beyond that, um, to to you know broaden your point a little bit there, Zach, because he's the focal point of the offense, he has to remain a threat, right? If 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 the book on Jokic is if he starts missing his shots, he's going to stop shooting. Then, then they're going to stop guarding him as well. They're going to collapse the floor a little more, and and he's not going to spread it out as much because he's not going to be a threat any longer, right? And and so I think there's so many of the guys on the team that are are really getting great at what they're great at, but but Jokic, um, heck, I mean, frankly, you know, all the way up to somebody a little older like Will Barton. There's there's a lot of times where you know end of the game or something or or certain pressure situations you feel like you know what that guy's gonna do is he is he gonna dump it off like Jokic has tended to do when he's not hitting his shots you know Barton at the end of a game is he is he gonna shoot it well yeah probably right and so um, you know and 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 we those guys as they mature need to learn enough to change that up enough and and stick with things and and make sure that they're enough of a threat for for all aspects possible. Possibly so that you you're not 
able to know exactly what's going to happen and and play it to a T against us. And and that's that's going right. to be important. That is a man that is a great point because you're absolutely right. Like if if he's if that book gets out on him and it's someone it is, we we've seen it. You're right. That I mean, the defense will tend to sag off, especially when he's yeah. out at the three point line. They'll you know they'll let him, um, they'll let him have that, and then and then they they clog that lane. And as we know, I mean, we've known this since the since Yusuf Nurkic was here. The Nuggets need to keep the lane clear uh, for their offense to be effective when they're running through Jokic because so much of it is is based on cutting to the basket. Um, which they can't do if if Jokic's guy is basically sitting at the free throw line, uh, exactly. daring him to shoot three pointers. Exactly, that is, that is a great point. All right, tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift it now, um, and I want to get I just touched on a little bit a little bit more into this Jokic uh, Millsap pairing because man, it seems to be like this is like the big debate now right now between between Nuggets fans, Nuggets writers. Everyone is you know basically essentially was Millsap a good signing? Is is what it kind of um boils down to um i think i I mean i think if it comes from it's been clunky right like there there has been i i mean we've seen like i was saying Millsap isos in the post that are that are not very efficient we see Jokic defer to him Jokic has talked about how he's deferred to Millsap. um Millsap has talked about how he's told Jokic not to defer to him on and on and on Caleb, what do you think makes it such a such a clunky pairing right now? Is it still just a matter of they haven't had enough time together, or is there there are more of a like a fundamental just difference in their skill sets that makes it hard for them to be a good pairing? Um, I don't. Yeah, I think it's more just they haven't had time. Uh, I think it would probably be a lot different if Millsap wasn't out for three months. Um, right. And yeah, I mean, I think Jokic is. I, I think Jokic really can play with just about anybody, or at least I think he can learn to play with just about anybody. Um, and I think that the defense that Millsap can bring, I think, will end up um, being like the the biggest contribution that he can make. And um, even if the offense is a little bit clunky at times, you know, hopefully the defense kind of makes up for it. And uh, I think, yeah, I mean, like like you said, I think if Jokic just realizes that, you know, sometimes he he just has to be the focal point of the offense because obviously uh, Millsap doesn't seem to have a problem with that. So. The, the fact that they know that, I think it's, it's just a matter of time before they, they figure it out. Right. That, and, that, and that's a really good point and, and, and in a, a really a vote of confidence in, uh, in what Millsap can do is that you're right. I mean, he is not the type of guy um, to be a, a, a me first kind of guy. He's not a guy who really needs a ton of plays drawn up for him. I mean, last year in Atlanta, he was certainly a, more of a focal point on the offense, but that's just because Atlanta hadn't, I mean, who else were they going to go to, you know, at that point, especially, uh, once they, they moved Kyle Corver to Cleveland. I mean, you had, you had him and Dennis Schroeder is pretty much the only two guys of any offensive talent to speak of so he played more of a focal point role but up until that point his entire career I mean whether it was in Atlanta when they were you know when they had that huge season they ended up what being the number two seed I think and um they they won you know something like maybe 60 games or something like that and he was just one part of of a of a whole team very similar to like that 2013 Nuggets team where there was no stars and it was uh, everybody was just working the flow and you think about when he was back in in Utah and it was uh you know he was kind of always second fiddle to um Carlos Boozer and, and Darren Williams those were the guys who pretty much um, were the, were the focal points, and he he just played off of them. So I think he definitely can. I mean, I I, 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 I just put it out there. I disagree with it with anybody who thinks that, that that this can't work or that, that he was a poor signing. Um, but I, I I agree with you though. I think a lot of it it just has to do with time. Like 
Jokic has never played with a guy like Millsap like that. You know, a guy who is who's very reliable um, in terms of offense, is very smart uh, on offense, and um, but also is able to just feed off of what you're doing. Like, I mean, when you think about who Jokic has played with his power forwards, it's either uh, a guy like Kenneth Fareed who you're drawing nothing up for, um, and he, you're not even you know you're not even looking to really dish him the ball in any sort of shooting situations. You're basically just having him there to get offensive boards and 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 cut and, and finish above the rim, run out on the break. Those are things that Millsap doesn't do um, really well at all. And then you know before that, I mean, he's either been playing with basically Yusuf Nurkic would be the other the other power forward that he played with uh, a bunch or. Or Wilson Chandler, who Wilson Chandler is much more of a guy who who can operate uh, on the wing um, in an isolation situation where you kind of just got him the ball and, and got him out of the way. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Do you think there's there's something to the idea that this this pairing is just just going to always be clunky, or is it is it kind of like what me and Kayla think? It's just a matter of time, and, and they'll get it all figured out and working. You know, I know it makes for a better show when somebody disagrees, but uh, in in this case, uh, I I don't disagree with you guys. I I think you know what what Jokic always reminds me of, and and I think Kayla said it really well. Is is he's uh, he's like one of those adapter plugs that you take to Europe to make sure that your razor works the whole way through, basically, right? I mean, Jokic is one of those guys that you just you give him a second, and he can. She's right. He can figure out how to really play with just about anybody. And you look at you look at the way. Like the last three or four games um, that that Jokic and Millsap were playing before Millsap got hurt, and they were they were starting to figure out what was like the biggest pick and roll uh, heist I've ever seen. These these two right. giant giant guys just blowing people away with the pick and roll um, around the floor, and you could tell they were getting kind of tickled about it. They were really starting to get really excited about what they saw there, and then Millsap got hurt, and and it seems like they really had to take almost that same amount of game since he's come back to reconfigure that. And, and I'm not smart enough or basketball savvy enough to understand why it takes that amount of time yet again to put it all together. But I do know that, you know, what, what Jokic especially does is predicated so much on who he's playing with and, and the preferences of those people that I think it's a lot more to do with the fact that not only Millsap, but I mean, last I knew we've had more, We've had more unique rotations than any other team uh, going through the league, and that's that's still happening with Gary Harris out, you know. And so we're we're definitely it's we've we've got a very fine tuned machine, and when you keep pulling pieces out of it, it it tends to mess with it. And maybe that's something right. actually the Nuggets are really going to have to think about because you you can't be that precious as you go on through a year because you're going to have these kind of changes. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. No, another another excellent point there. And um, you're right. I mean, it's um, it's it's and like we were saying before, you know, with 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 your offense being so unique because it's designed around such a unique player. That yeah, when you pull out one of these big key cogs um, of it, it, it kind of throws everything everything haywire. And I think especially Millsap because, like I said, he's he's kind of the new one. Like Gary Harris knows what he's doing. Um, yep with with Jokic at this point I mean Jamal Murray knows what he's doing with Jokic at this point but we've kind of seen all of those guys go through a clunky period playing next to him where they were trying to figure out okay how do we make this work um so I I I like like we've all kind of said I think it is a matter of time um I have said too I mean it's going to just be an interesting thing because it's going to be like I said Jokic in a way has to learn how to adapt uh to Millsap somewhat I mean obviously you don't you don't change the offense uh, to gear around Millsap, but but like I've said, he's he's a bit of a different 
player um, than than the type of player that Jokic has played with, at least at the at the power forward position. Kill, let me ask you this: This is the other thing that people always want to bring up is is the 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 dollar value on that contract. I mean, just to put it out there, would you say that you that the Nuggets overpaid for Millsap? Um, I I think at this point, no. I think it's probably going to be one of those things that we just have to look back at and see, um, right. depending on what the Nuggets do. Um, I think if the Nuggets can make the playoffs, um, probably at least one or two of the years that he's here, and then maybe you know hopefully have some success once they get there. Um, I think we can look back and say that it was that it was worth it. Um, obviously, if we end up missing the playoffs, um, you know, obviously maybe we maybe you could look at look at it and say that we overpaid him but i think at the, i think it was reasonable and um you know hopefully it brings other people here like in the uh in the off season um, right. if they see that that he chose it so i i I don't. I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't. I don't really um, look at it as an overpay for a couple of reasons. One, I think. I think the structure of the contract was really nice because they got that that third year as a team option. So essentially, um, after next season, if if it's not working out, they can just you know they can just cut bait and and they, I think they they're pretty much out. I, I don't know. There's probably like a tiny little guarantee in there, like a million bucks or something. But um, the rest of it is you know actually no. When I think about it, it's a team option, so they could just 100% cut bait. Um, and, and, and move on from it. So it's not like it was a long term commitment. It wasn't like a, like a four year or five year deal. It essentially was a two year deal with the option to, to go for a third, um, if you'd like. And it, and it's set up nicely in the sense that, uh, that's right. That's the same year that, um, Jamal Murray is going to be coming up for an extension. You would assume Nicole Jokic will have already, uh, signed an extension by then. Uh, but you've also got maybe, you know, if Wilson Chandler opts in this year, then he'll be coming off the books next year. You'll have Darrell Arthur coming off the books. If he opts in this year, you'll have Kenneth Fareed coming off the books. So basically what it does is you've got those guys coming off the books, give you the money to give to to Murray and his extension. Um, and then with that Millsap, you kind of have the option, okay, do we want to go another year with him or do we want to dive back into free agency uh, and chase somebody else? So I, to me, it's not an overpay. The other thing that I make it, it's like, well, who are you going to spend the money on otherwise? Like, right. were, you, yeah. were you just going to keep signing Axel Tupon and Jakar Sampson and, <laughs> you know, and, and trying to hit the salary floor? Like, at some point, you got to spend the money, you know, So and it's not my money. So, you know, I mean, like, who else were you going to get? So, to me, it was it was worth it. Uh, Mike, what do you think? I mean, I, I think it. I, I think it's a. And and sorry to all the folks that are out there arguing in this direction of an overpay, just because it hasn't clicked perfectly so far. But um, I, I think it's a crazy question, actually. I I mean, you've got a. You've got a. Was it three time, four time All Star in Millsap? Four time, yeah. Uh, yeah, four time All Star in Millsap. Um, you need a defensive presence. He is that. Um, you you need somebody who is a smart player who can operate inside of a system. Um, he's proven time and again he is that. Um, you're the only competitors on the market, and and pretty much everybody of of any stripe. I didn't hear anybody say this was a vast overpay because you're the only ones that were even really uh, competing for him. And frankly, fortunately, we didn't compete against ourselves that badly. Right. So he was he was happy with what he got. Um, but by the same token, I thought I thought you know compared to what it could have been had others been on the market, um, it could have been much steeper. So it, it's it's crazy. Um, maybe it doesn't work out 
but that certainly doesn't mean it's an overpay and and you want the rest of the league to see that the nuggets are at least willing to take these chances step out and say you know we're we're trying to win we're trying to be better you know to your point Zach of, about Axel Tupan and all the rest we you know let's let's spend the money on on what's there and what's available that looks like it's going to help us he seemed like the best possible choice i still think there's a lot of room for this to actually uh turn around and work um so no i no way is that a is that a dumb call you got to take that risk and and they did and so let's let's see how it works out Right. Yep. I, I agree. I mean, it's we especially when you talk about, you know, the fit, like, I mean, he was exactly what they needed right. uh, at the power forward position. I mean, I, I should say exactly like what you need, what you really need at, at the power forward for position for the Nuggets is Chris Stapp's Porzingis. But he's not you're, that's the guy you're not obviously getting right. But I mean, right. that that's I think the ideal guy next to Jokic is a guy who can both stretch the floor and be a rim protector. Uh, Millsap's not a rim protector per se, though. I mean, he he does get his his share of blocks, but he 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 stops. One of the things I think is the, the toughest part about building around uh, Nikola Jokic is that he is not the type of center who is going to make up for mistakes that are made on the perimeter, right? He's not a, a Rudy Gobert, or if you want to think of former Nuggets, a Marcus Canby, where where if somebody gets blown by, there some guy blows by them at the, at the three point line, Jokic isn't sliding over to swat that ball away um, and and cover up that mistake. Neither is Millsap, but what he does do is he has such good active hands, he has such good body positioning that a lot of times those guys end up driving into the lane and they either have a turnover or they end up having to pass it back out because Millsap just kind of is just like this roadblock, right? And he just stops them from... From takes, getting being able to get to the basket, yeah, he takes all the oxygen out of it so quickly that yeah, he he tends to turn him away. I totally agree. Right, and and the other thing I would say though is that I've noticed since he's been back is that he's not doing that as much. So I would I would guess that wrist is not a hundred percent right now with him, um, and, and and he's having that's affecting it um, somewhat. All right, tell you what, uh, we, we've kind of already talked about um, how how well you can evaluate the uh, Millsap right now, given his given how much he's been out. So I'm going to skip that last portion of this section since we're already we've already blown way past where our break was supposed to be. <laughs> um, see, Mike, Mike is trying to avoid these CSU questions. He thinks he's it's gonna... true, man. I'm I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to talk about taking the oxygen out. I'm I'm, I'm there. <laughs> All right, we'll tell you what, we'll go ahead, we'll take a break. Uh, then we'll get back, we'll have a quick segment on whether or not the Nuggets, uh, what, what making or missing the playoffs would mean. Um, and then and then we'll make sure to get to that CSU Rams trivia for you guys. <laughs> so, we'll be right back, and we'll talk to you. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call. 
719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. By the way, Pickaxe Pundits, the name was thought up of uh, by Mr. Mike Olson. So I shout out to you, Mike, for for coining our our new our new title. Thanks, man. You you said that, and it reminded me that I think I still owe you like a voiceover on that from like a million years ago. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good 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 reminder, buddy. That's thanks. That's I mean, I wasn't gonna say anything, but yeah, we have Whoops. been uh, yeah. we we have been running with a, a kind of bare bones intro yeah. these days. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, all good fun. I'm not too worried about it. Um, and we also have, of course, Kayla Osby with us for our All Rammies podcast, which we have not we have not done in a while. So. Um, and I'm always so excited to have my, my fellow Rams. I would have always have only fellow Rams, but, uh, we would, we would just be the four of us all the time. People might get bored of that. <laughs> um, okay. So let's, let's dive back into this. So we, we basically for about more than a month now, um, which I always like to say this, which, uh, we've been we've, for more than a month now, we've been talking about, uh, the playoffs, which is not something they can say over on the Lakers podcast. I uh, just want to get that in real quick, <laughs> but <laughs> um, and 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 I'm, I'm starting to run out of stuff. Honestly, I mean, we've talked about who would be the best matchup, who would be the worst matchup, what should happen to the coach, what should happen to the front office if they don't make it. Um, what you know, what does it mean if they if they uh, if to the to the core? Actually, we haven't covered that. That's 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 what I want to cover this time. Is I want to talk more about kind of like what what does it mean to some of the the the, the key players here. Um, and the first one I want to start off with is the fans, right? Because I, I, so this is actually the second longest playoff drought in Denver Nuggets history. Uh, the longest of course is, I think it was like eight years, uh, from, from 1995, one year after they went to the playoffs the year after, of course, the iconic to Kimbe Matumbo holding the ball, beat, they beat the Sonics, the eight to one seed. Uh, they went the following year, they got swept by the Spurs. Uh, and then they did not go back to the playoffs until until Carmelo Anthony's rookie year. Um, other than that, though, the, every other it's only been three. I think three seasons has been the longest drought that they've had up until now. We're in our four uh, four season drought, uh, maybe five uh, with this Nuggets team. Kayla, what would it mean to the fans? I mean, what does it mean to the fans? What does it mean to the atmosphere at Pepsi Center if they are able to get back into the playoffs? Yeah, I think it would be huge. Um, I think it. It's really going to have more of a, an effect, I think, if we don't make the playoffs because this season we've we've seen things really turn around as, as far as attendance. And, and I just worry about what will happen if, um, you know, even playing a, a better season, you know, we still don't make the playoffs. I just don't want to see fans kind of lose interest in the team. Right. If we get get a reputation of a team that, you know, is going to get close but never going to really get, get over the hump. Um, and, I yeah, I just think there's a lot riding on the line as far as um, what's what's going to happen with the coach and um you know the the team makeup and um what people will say if you know we we did sign Millsap to to contract and we still don't make it so I think there's a lot riding on the line and 
um, if we do make the playoffs, you know, hopefully it, everything will just keep rising as far as attendance and interest. So I think it's it'll be huge. Yeah, that's that, that is the great point, too, because, I mean, uh, this year uh, specifically, and you definitely notice it when you're in the arena, um, there there is a, a bigger interest, a bigger buzz. And I think a lot of that, as, as unfortunate as it is, I think a lot of it is because the Denver Broncos have just been awful uh, and people <laughs> people wanted something to root for. Uh, what concerns me though now is that the, the Nuggets are not, let's be honest, if, if all things are equal, the Nuggets are out of the four major teams are probably the fourth, uh, in terms of interest, uh, in Denver and in second behind the Broncos would probably be the Avalanche. Um, and they are actually having a, a quite a run right now. They're, they've been very similar to the Nuggets kind of teetering on the edge of playoffs. They're actually though. Uh, they're in in playoff position right now. They've got a an MVP candidate uh, in Nathan McKinnon. I worry that if the Nuggets miss the playoffs and the Avs make it, and then the Avs maybe do something, you know, win a series or something in the playoffs, that that yeah, that interest is just going to go completely back out of the door because you know even though the Broncos have been terrible, they'll come come October when the Nuggets season is starting, uh, there'll still be a heavy interest in in the Broncos regardless of what they're doing, um, and then teams might or then fans might just be completely forgetting. Um, about the Nuggets because they're excited about the Abs because you because those seasons run concurrently uh, and they play in the same building like you kind of make a choice about which which games you want to go to which team you want to follow because it, it otherwise if you want to follow both uh, you'd be pretty much watching sports all the time every night that would be your whole life so that's my concern Mike what what do you think are you concerned that if they don't make the playoffs that the fan interest might drop off again. You know, I absolutely am, and I, I, I think you uh, hit a really good point there. Um, I, I do believe that at least some of the traction that they've gotten this last season is probably because, you know, Colorado's favorite team has, has had a down year, um, and it leads people to looking for other sources of, of entertainment. Um, you know, I also I also think that um, there's there's m- that the Nuggets are putting out a more exciting product, and, and there's an opportunity now for fans to go out, uh, get out there and see it. Um, but it needs right. to be it, it needs to be a consistent product, or or yeah, that that sort of guttering flame, that that really, you know, uh, light uh, touch that they're going to need to have with it could go really quickly. To your point, to to fandom to somebody else, and so um, it's you know, I think it's a big deal. Frankly, to um, those core players, I think it's a big deal uh, to the fan base uh, to continue to foster this forward. You know, I'm going to be completely selfish for 10 seconds and say it's a big deal to me. I I started writing for Stiffs right after the 57 win season uh, happened, and I, gosh darn it, I'm I want to I want to write about the Nuggets in the playoffs because um, I'm starting to take this a little personally, man. You know, this this. this showed up on my That's watch. Right. I, I, I I don't want to have to retire just to get the Nuggets back into the playoffs again. So um, it's good stuff. We have figured out. We have figured out the key to the playoffs. <laughs> it is Mike Olson. I gotta go. I gotta go. That's right. It's right. That's... We're gonna talk. We'll have a talk with Adam later on, <laughs> and we'll send Mike his uh, his final paycheck. Yeah, walking papers. <laughs> So, which is which is that's the joke because we're not actually going to send you a paycheck at all. <laughs> uh, um, okay, let me ask you this. Uh, 
you kind of you kind of mentioned this that there might be a major change, and and we've like said on previous shows we've talked about Coach Malone, we've talked about Tim Connolly, uh, we have not talked about this group, and and I want to specifically talk about the core: uh, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. If they miss the playoffs, do you see a situation where maybe the Nuggets go into a little bit of panic mode and they end up moving one of those guys? Obviously, probably not Jokic, but either Murray or Harris to try and make some splashy move to you know get them over the hump. Uh, I don't think it happens. Um, if they miss the playoffs this season, I think if there's uh, two or three more years of this, I think possibly. But um, I, I, I mean, I hope they don't make any changes to the core. I think we might just need some more pieces um, to kind of round it out. But as far as those three, I don't think they're the problem. And um, yeah, hopefully, you know, I think if the front office does do that, I think it would be a mistake. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you look at a lot of the teams, um, like the the Warriors and just the, the other teams that, um, Timberwolves, you know, I think hopefully we follow that formula where we keep the core and just add some more pieces and, right. and hopefully that makes a difference. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, the uh, both of those teams and, and obviously the Timberwolves are scuffling a little bit because the, one of the big piece they had to Jimmy Butler is, is hurt right now, but they, they've had a huge leap this season. Um uh, in terms of in terms of just record alone, and then obviously the Warriors and and everything they did, and they and both those teams, you're exactly right. They've stuck uh, with their group of guys. I mean, the Warriors did not. Uh, they made a change at coach, obviously, but they they never they never said, okay, we're going to move Clay Thompson or we're going to move Draymond Green uh, and, and try and get someone else. And and you know, granted, everybody's like, well, they added KD, you know, you can't do that. But yeah, but they but they won a championship. Before they added KDM, and they added they added really high quality pieces. A guy like Andre Iguodala um, from the Nuggets, of course. But they didn't. It's not like they they changed who they were um, as a core group. They kept that together and just supplemented them with really good pieces. I, I and, and we've started to see the Nuggets do that a little bit, right? I mean, they added Paul Millsap, who's again not a guy you're changing your your core group for, but is a really good piece to supplement them with. I, I too I hope they stay on that path. I hope they don't they don't get panic or anything because they miss the playoffs because they'll probably face some backlash from the fans um, if they do. I hope they they keep it going. Uh, Mike, what about you? Do you think they make any changes? Not to not uh, at, to the core or anything. Not at least to that core. I, and and I think I, I think it wouldn't just be that it's it's uh, you know frankly really foolish if they did because you, you just don't know what you've got there. But I think it would be wildly out of character. Um, you know, they've, they've really shown ever since they've, you know, stumbled into, well, not stumbled into, since they've discovered that, that these three guys um, look like they're going to be long-term key pieces, they've, they've really worked hard to not um, discourage them, to give them plenty of time to uh, ride out the, the tough uh, bumps that come with with these um, young guys, and and you know you see a lot of that coming to fruition, um, just in in these guys getting more and more and more consistent. But that needs to keep happening for that to to continue to to get better for the team. And and given how much they've invested just in time, energy, and I think emotion um, to to get to this point, I think it would be crazy to then step away from that right as you've got a possibility of it turning into something more so right right yeah i would i, would, I mean it would be a mistake in my eyes like yeah. And and it would also it would also go against kind of what they've said in general, specifically what Tim Connolly has said, which is that you don't skip steps. Like yeah. uh, the Nuggets are kind of they they're having a hard trouble getting over this hump, right? Because we saw this last season. Granted, last season was different in that. 
the Nuggets probably with their record where it was at didn't have any business being in a playoff race, but they were there, right? They were them and the the Trailblazers were both kind of struggling. Every the the first seven seeds were were uh, you know a half dozen games ahead of those two, but because that last seed was open, the Nuggets got a chance to be in the playoff race. They scuffled down the stretch, lost some key games, lost some emotional games, um, and then they ended up on the outside looking in. We've seen kind of a repeat of that this season, but the difference being is that they've been much better uh, than they were last season, but just the West in general has also been, uh, or I guess just the Blazers and then obviously the teams like the Pelicans and the Timberwolves, um, they've all stepped their games up as well, and so the West has just become much more competitive uh, and that makes it that make that puts them back in this playoff race. So they're they're in that like they're they're kind of seem like they're stagnating, but at the same time they're not because they're they're getting better. It's just everybody has gotten better uh, around them as well. So for me to them to for them to move on from those three guys specifically, any one of those three guys would be selling yourself short. Now I will say if they get to the trade deadline next year and they're they're looking like they're once again going to be right in that just you know fighting to just squeak into the playoffs. Maybe, you know, again, it always depends on uh, who else is out there and what you can get in return. But maybe at that point they make a decision um, to get to move off one of those guys and, and try and get a different piece, a big piece. It would have to be like a star player piece um, that might get them over the hump a little bit quicker. I could see that happening. Those trades, though, are just so rare that it's you, you really can't bank on it. Uh, okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and skip this last thing because I'm gonna make you guys do some CSU Rams <laughs> trivia. I am not gonna let you off the hook. You're you're a bad man. You're a bad man. <laughs> it's okay. They're very easy. They're very easy. So as you guys know, we we missed it last last week. I was gonna do March Madness trivia and then we uh, we ran out of time. But uh, we've been trying to do more and more kind of fun stuff. So this one's gonna be very simple for us since we have we have we're all CSU Rams. Uh, I figured what what better than to to get into a little bit of that of the CSU Rams and how. How they relate to basketball. Um, just two questions. Just two questions each for each of you. So it'll be it'll be uh, short <laughs> if, it, if it is painful. Um, and I'm gonna start with Kayla. Kayla, I th- this is this is the e- one of the easiest questions I come up with. But uh, even then, it, it could say because it's the CSU is so um, in the, in terms of basketball is so like uh, such a not not a blue blood in any way that even the even the ones that might be easy are um, tough. But I'm gonna throw it over to you. There is currently one Colorado State University basketball player playing in the NBA. Which player is that? Is that Jason Smith? Boom! See, I told you, easy. Jason Smith, that is correct. He, uh, I wouldn't he have is gotten the that. Last remaining. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is the only remaining. That's. This is terrible, Mike. He's like the greatest CSU player in like the last 20 I know, years. And, and the fact uh, that Vaughn Wafer was the first guy that popped in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. This is not going to work out for me today. I'm in big trouble. <laughs> oh, man, that is funny. That is funny. Uh, yeah, no, Jason um, Jason Smith uh, what, plays for the Wizards, right? Uh, or at least he did for a long time. I'm not sure where he's at now. I should have been much more prepared for this. But he is the only, yeah, plays for the Wizards. He is the only CSU uh, player currently in the NBA. Gian Clavel was with uh, Dallas Mavericks, so he got released uh, earlier in the season, now plays overseas, I believe, in the Turkish League. Uh, Jason Smith, I got to see him in college. I was in college when he was in college. It was uh, it was an exciting time. Yeah, he was, it was, we were all, we were all stoked about him. We're like, man, next year when he comes back, for his sophomore year, these guys are gonna be great. And then, of course, he was one and done, and and on to the NBA. So, 
not not so great. All right. Um, he was a number one, or he was a first-round pick. Mike, there has been one other CSU player uh, who has been a first-round pick. Can you name him? <laughs> um Good grief! No, no, I can, no, I cannot. That's there. There we go. All right, uh, tell tell me more, sir. That is fair. The other guy would be <laughs> Bill Green. Oh. Bill Green um, <laughs> hmm. was drafted in nineteen sixty three. See, Mike, this that was probably back when you were in college. I, oh, <laughs> wow, tough crowd. <laughs> I was, gonna, you know, actually, I was going to say, and and maybe this would have actually qualified as as an answer as well. But um, I, I was in school at the same time as Becky Hammond, and and I think she was, well, she there was a go. draftee. So you know, maybe maybe she would have qualified as a out of left field answer for you there. You know what? And that's right. I should have clarified. It was less less men's player. Yeah, um, Becky Hammond uh, was was certainly a first round pick in the WNBA. One of the one of the greatest WNBA players. Of all time, so <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. shit. All right, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you half a point. Half yeah, a point I appreciate for that. that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Bill Green, though. Yeah, 1963, selected eighth overall by the Boston Celtics. Wow. So there you go, wow. a little little CSU history for you. All right, back over to Kayla. We are, of course, right now in the midst of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. When was the last time the CSU men's basketball team made the NCAA tournament? Uh, I have no idea. Um, we'll go sometime in the 90s. <laughs> Way off, Samsonite. Okay. No, that's okay though. It is. It is an unscrewed. Believe it, though. Not. Not nearly that bad. It was actually 2013. Okay. 2013. The uh, the oh, okay. Denver Nuggets made it. They were an eighth seed actually um, in the tournament. I think that might be the highest seed they've ever actually been in the NCAA tournament. Uh, to follow up on that and to close out the trivia, Mike, that is also the only time that CSU has ever won a game in the NCAA tournament. Who did they beat? Um, I, I don't know, but I also am pretty sure that's not true. I thought I remembered CSU getting into the tourney when I was in college and actually getting through the first round. So I'm, oh, I'm going to have go. to, I'm going to have to go back and check on this, Zach, but I, I don't remember who they beat in 2013. Um, uh, yeah. Who, who did they beat in 2013? Now that I've in, uh, failed miserably, well, uh, I was like, "You're just you're just scrounging for these half points," is what it is, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> they uh, they in in 2013 they beat um, they beat Missouri, believe it or not. They wow. beat Missouri in. Uh, let me see. You know, what? I'm I'm totally off. Uh, that wow, they actually made the Sweet 16 back in 1954. Uh, that doesn't. So you're right. They've they've actually won a couple, of, and wow, they made the Elite Eight back in 1969. These these those don't count. Uh, Not at all. Yeah. So before that, you're right. In 19 to to age you here, Mike. In 1989, they also um, they beat Florida in the first round, and that they lost was to that was the year. Yeah, that was my that was my uh, second year. There you go. All right. So two half points for Mike. Uh, one full point for Kayla. You end up with a tie, one to one. That means that was, all the prize. That was, prize that was money terrible trivia. Me. That was just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you what, we are uh, we are pretty much out of time, so uh, we're gonna close on that. Uh, I am at Zach Mikosh on Twitter. Uh, Mike is at Visible Mike. Kayla is at Nugget Chica. You can also follow us um, at Denver Stiffs at NBN Radio. 
Uh, we're over on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs, and give us a follow, give us a like on Facebook. And if you are listening to the podcast version of this, first of all, why aren't you listening to us live 4 p.m. on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel? But second of all, if you are uh, listening to the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating. We would appreciate it. All right, Mike, Kayla, great show. Appreciate you both being on. Thank you, guys. It was fun. Yep. Yep. Thank you. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.